You are listening to the Magnetic Marketing Marketing Secret Gold Members Only Podcast. So I've got one more presentation I'm going to, I'm going to do um, because I know that everyone's coming in here today at different levels, right? Some of you guys are coming in and you're coming on stage to get two comic clubs, see a war, and you're killing it. You're doing hundreds of millions of dollars. You're here like, what about, like, what can I learn from Russell? What do I got? And some of you guys are coming in like brand new and you're like, what's the funnel again? How many guys are at that stage right now? Okay. We got all sorts of things. So my first presentation I want to do right now is going to hopefully um, level the playing field. Okay. For those who are, who are getting started, it's going to give you a really solid foundation. For those who are advanced, you can see how we actually run things behind the scenes to grow and scale offers very, very quickly. And so that's what um, we're talking about. So my presentation is called Advanced Funnel Audibles. And I titled this because actually in uh, FHL Orlando three years ago, I did a, uh, how many of you guys were at Orlando back in the day? Okay, I did a presentation called Funnel Audibles, and it was one of the ones that people liked the most. And I haven't talked about this in a long time, so I wanted to go kind of deeper on that topic and share some cool things with you guys. So first question, one of my friends recently asked me, they said, I've been in your programs for a long time, and I don't know what an audible is. And I was like, oh, I probably should have defined that ahead of time. So what is an audible? An audible is when the quarterback comes up to the line of scrimmage, and he gets to the line, he's like, this is not going to work. The play we just called is not going to work because everyone's in the wrong spots. We're in trouble. And he stops and he starts yelling like, change the play, change the play, change the play really quick. They go like, and then they throw the ball and it's different. So an audible is like something happens not the way you want it to be. You're going to change everything at the last minute, right? So it happens in funnels all the time. How many of you guys have ever launched a funnel and you're like, I'm going to be a millionaire in the morning. You launch it and then like crickets and you're like, that Russell Brunson's full of crap, right? Okay. So that's an audible is I need to give you guys that ability to move and to flow. Um, in my life, I wasn't a football player, but I was a wrestler. And this is a picture of my dad and I. And I, I told this story in Orlando as well. But when I was, um, uh, my junior year in high school, I had set a goal I wanted to be a state champ. Like, that was the thing I wanted to do it. And my very first uh, wrestling match, my junior year in high school, I was wrestling this guy. And, or, yeah, my junior year in high school. And I remember um, he had taken second place in state the year before. And I was like, this is going to be my shot. I'm going to prove to everybody I'm good enough. And, like, I was so, I was so prepared for it, right? We came on the mat and we started wrestling and it was the first match of the entire season and I lost the match. And I don't know about you guys, but when you've been telling everybody, this is my goal every single day and they're sick of you hearing it, right? I told everyone, all my friends for, for the last year, I'm going to be state champ, I'm going to be state champ. And I lost that match. Going back to school on Monday, first question I ever asked is like, how'd you do last night? I'm like, uh, I lost. I'm like, oh, I thought you were going to be a state champ. I'm like, yeah, it's tough enough to beat you right now still, <laughs> right? Like so frustrated. And um, I'm sure some of you guys have felt that as well, right? You've told people you love, like, I'm going to get a tunnel club, I'm going to launch a business, I'm going to do these things, and then, like, it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, right? And I feel that. Like, I've failed way more in business than probably all of you guys combined, so I understand that thing. But with, it, with me, I had a really lucky uh, opportunity because my dad, um, as I wrestled that match, my dad actually filmed the entire match. And that night, I got home, and I was just broken, right? I was embarrassed, I was humiliated, and I just wanted to go, like, hide in my room and you know, feel bad for myself. I mean, it's like, sometimes feeling bad feels good, you know? We like, just want to like wallow in your own pity for a while. So I went to bed and I like wallowed in my own pity. <clears throat> and my dad, who's smarter than me, he uh, took the video and he got and on, set up on TV and started watching and he watched that match over and over and over again. And I have no idea how many times um, he watched it. He's here, you have to ask him. But next morning I woke up and he, I don't think he'd gone to sleep yet. He was all excited. He's like, all right, Russell, I know how to beat this guy. And I was like, dad, I don't want to, like, I was doing the whole teenager thing, right? Like, dad, leave me alone. I don't want to do anything. He's like, come here. He pulls me in the carpet, on the carpet. He starts wrestling me, showing me what I did wrong and how to fix it. And we start practicing the move that I had lost against this guy. And I remember being so like, you know, teenagerish, like just bored and knowing like, dad, I don't want to do this. But he worked through me what I did wrong. 
the next day, or that day at wrestling practice, I got out of the wrestling practice. And as soon as practice got done, I was ready to leave. And all of a sudden, I see my dad come through the door. I'm like, oh, no. And he comes down. He's like, hey, let's practice that move again. And we practice it again and again. And every single day after practice, my dad would show up. And we practice it over and over and over again for the entire four months of the wrestling season. We get to the state tournament. And in the state tournament, uh, I ended up being seated number two. He was seated number one on the bracket. And so that meant if we, met, if we were going to meet again, we'd be in the finals. So I won my match. He won his match all the way down to the finals. And the finals... I'm literally wrestling the guy that I lost to the very first match of the year in the state finals. And so I'm nervous. I'm, you know, all those kind of things. And last minute, right before my match starts, my dad's like, let's, tr- let's practice one more time. So we found a little side mat. We practiced again the entire, everything we've been practicing over and over and over again. I step on the mat. And not only did I win the match, I ended up beating him with the same move he had beaten me with. Because I'd practiced it so many times, I became really good at it. I ended up beating him with the same move he'd beat me with four months earlier. And I had a chance to get my hand raised and become the state champ. And it was <laughs> still this day, one of the greatest days of my life. But I learned such a powerful lesson from my dad during that time that served me in, in athletics, it served me in business, it served me in all aspects of my life. Um, and a lot of people struggle in business because when something fails, they're like, oh, I'm a failure. Okay. And I probably would have thought of that as well. But my dad taught me like, when you fail, you didn't fail. You got to say, what was wrong? Like, what mistakes did you make? Like, oh, well, your, your positioning was wrong. Your elbows were out. Like you, we figured out the things that were wrong and we made those adjustments and we tweaked and then went back and did it again. Okay. When I started getting into business, I had the same thing. I would launch a funnel. It would fail. And I didn't say, oh, I'm a failure. Oh, I'm an idiot. My offer's dumb. And like, get all embarrassed. I would launch it and like, oh crap, I need to change some things. And I'd make the adjustments, make the changes, try again, try again. And within two or three times, the funnel would work and it's off to the races. Okay. How many of you guys know that ClickFunnels, um, I've told this story before, but how many of you guys know that it wasn't the first funnel we used to launch ClickFunnels? The first funnel flopped and the second funnel flopped and the third one did and the fourth one. I could have quit after all those. And then I did the fifth one and guess what? It didn't work either. I was like, I thought I was the funnel guy. I'm an idiot. Right? And finally, the sixth time is when we nailed it, when we got the message right, we got things right. And that was seven years ago. Seven years later, here it is. Now, what would happen if I were stopped after the first one, or the second, or the third, or the fourth, or the fifth? How many of you guys are stopping after the first, or the second, or the third, or the fourth, or the fifth? Okay, that's why it's so important for you guys to put the time and the energy into these things, okay? The, the principles I'm going to teach you guys during the session are going to help you to know exactly what to do and how to do it, so you can execute correctly. Um, this is... Uh, um, one of the legends in our industry is named Gary Halbert. And this is a quote he said at one time. I remember thinking like, this is the coolest thing ever. He said, properly exploited, one good idea that occurs while walking on the beach is worth more than 10 lifetimes of hard work. I was like, how cool is that? Right? We all have ideas that come and go, but if we can figure out one of those ideas and actually exploit it properly, we do the thing correctly, we get it to work, we get the funnel right, we get it correct, where it starts working, that's worth more than 10 lifetimes of hard work. Now it's going to be hard up front, Right? You have to put forth the effort, the, all the kind of things, but after it works, then, it, then it, it becomes easy, okay? And so that's the key. If we can get one of these funnels to work, you guys, as those who have hit it, you know it's worth more than 10 lifetimes of hard work, okay? So a couple of principles to be successful. Number one, we have to make sure as you guys are building funnels, you're not building confusing funnels. Um, this is um, a funnel of somebody that I know that they were bragging about. It's like, check out how my funnel, all the automations and all the things. I was like, oh, nice. Did the funnel work? Like, it did okay. I'm like, okay, well, like, how are you going to tweak it? They're like, well, I'm not sure yet. I'm going to test something. I'm like, well, which one of those little things? That's like a million things. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I'm dumb. Maybe I'm not fast. I don't know what it is, but like this, I wouldn't know what to do. Okay. If you look at all the funnels I create, my funnels are simple. It's like, oh, there's five pages. And what's nice about that is if something's broken, I can identify it really, really quickly. Okay. I can go and drive some traffic, put, the, go, put some people through the, the funnel and see if it works or if it doesn't work. 
Okay? And that's why I focus on simple funnels versus com complex funnels. Okay? Because again, a complex funnel, if I launch this thing, it doesn't work. It's like, okay, what well, didn't work? Okay, well, it's one of these things probably. I don't know, one of those. Or in mine, I, I launch it and I look at the numbers, like what happened on page one, page two, page three. It's like, ah, oh, page three, that was the one that's broken. I can fix that one thing and then test again. Okay? So we make simple funnels that are easy to test over and over and over again. Okay, hoping for some of you guys that'll make it easier. In fact, I get people who join my inner circle all the time, like, check out our super funnel, and it's like the most complex thing in the world. And like, now coach me, Russell. And it's like, okay, step number one. You know that thing you just showed me? We're gonna delete it all. And now I can actually help you, because right now I got nothing. <laughs> like, I don't care how good you are, like, there's no, I don't know. Okay, so we gotta make simple funnels that are easy to tweak and to test and to, to get working. Okay, I think I got seven secrets I'm gonna share in this process. So secret number one you guys have to understand is understanding marketing math. Now, I'm not amazing at marketing, but there's a couple numbers you have to understand how they work. When you understand them, it becomes really, really easy, okay? These are the two numbers. The first number is called CPA. That does not mean an accountant. In fact, Stacey Martino messaged me um, <laughs> like a month ago, and she said, Russell, guess what? I figured out what CPA means, and it's not an accountant. I'm like, congratulations, you're officially a marketer now. I'm so pumped. Um, so CPA, cost per acquisition. This is how much you are spending to get a customer, okay? We had to pay for every one of you guys to get in this room. You know that, right? I had to pay Zuckerberg and he sent an ad and you saw the ad and you showed up. And so I had to pay something for every single one in, in here. So that's the cost per acquisition. The second number is average cart value. How much money do you make inside of the cart on average when somebody comes into your funnel? Those are the two numbers, okay? If we understand and match those two things, it becomes really easy. So let me go a little deeper on this. So cost per acquisition, how much does it cost you to get a customer? So here's me. I have to give somebody money. So I give Mark Zuckerberg some money. He's like, sweet man, thanks for the money. He then shows my ad on Facebook, and if my ad's good, then I get a customer back in exchange. So I give Zuckerberg money, he gives me a customer. That's the game we're playing, right? That's the cost per acquisition. How much does it cost me to acquire a customer? Now I have that customer. The customer is now going to go through my cart. Okay, he's going to go through my funnel. And so, uh, again, I call this the average cart value. How much money does that customer actually spend inside the funnel? So I clicked on the ad. Here's the funnel. They're going to go through page one, page two, and then there's all these things. And they're not going to buy all the stuff. I wish they would, that'd be amazing. But they're gonna buy maybe the first thing, maybe upsell number one or two, and they're gonna buy some things. So on average, of all the customers that go through this funnel, how much money on average do I make when they come out the other side? When they come out with the product, okay? And that's the game, that's how the marketing math works. So if you look at this equation here, CPA, if your cost to acquire a customer is less than your average cart value, so I spend $1 and I make $2, now I have a funnel that can scale. That's it. That's what I'm trying to do. If I can get a, a funnel where I put a dollar, I pay a dollar in ads and I make two dollars back out, I can scale this thing and it, the game becomes really, really fun. How many of us have had that happen with the funnel before in the past? Yes. In our high-end coaching programs, the Two Comic Clubs coaching program, this whole goal is if we get one funnel that hits this, Two Comic Clubs is easy. The hardest thing is like tweaking and testing until you get to work and all of a sudden, as soon as it works, I put a dollar in ads in, I get two dollars back out, sweet. Start dumping money in, money comes back out and all of a sudden it starts scaling really, really quickly. But this is the game we gotta play. Okay, now if I put a dollar in and I get one dollar back out, it means I didn't lose any money, but I didn't really make any money. This is where I'm like, okay, it's not scaling yet. This is where the funnel audible is coming. Like, what do I need to tweak? What do I need to change? What are the things I need to do to make sure this is going to be successful? Okay. And if I put $2 in, I only get $1 back out. That's the sign that you should stop buying ads. I saw somebody on, uh, on Facebook the other day that said, uh, I tried to launch a funnel. I lost $80,000. I was like, what? And I, met, I, met, I was like, is that a typo? Like, no, I lost 80 grand. I'm like, 80 grand? Like, yeah, my ads didn't work. I'm like, why didn't you stop? Like, if you put $2 in and you get $1 back out, stop. You're out two bucks, right? 80,000. He was just waiting. Maybe it'll get better over time. No. 
You'll find out really, really quickly. That's the nice about these tests. You can test it in like a day or two, and you're like, ah, oh, stop. Okay? Put in $100, a couple hundred dollars, and all of a sudden, really quickly, you know. So don't freak out. This is like these little tests. I'm putting a little money to test it, make some tweaks. Test it, make some tweaks. Okay? So the first funnel audible to understand is understanding marketing math. You're just, if your cost to acquire a customer is smaller than your cost to, to um, than your average cart value, now you have a funnel that can scale. That's what we're trying to do. That is the goal of every single funnel. Okay? Secret number two, finding the control. So the control is the type of funnel that's currently working. I want to find what's currently working. Okay, this is the whole premise of funnel hacking. This is the purpose of funnel hacking. A lot of people think funnel hacking, you know, or excuse me, it's a lot of people who don't do funnel hacking. They go out there and they just like, okay, I'm gonna build a funnel. Here's a page and here's another page and they randomly start putting things up. Okay, we're never guessing. My goal in this is to try to, is to, try to take away all guesswork. Like what's most likely to be successful, as close as possible. Okay, that's what funnel hacking is all about. Now, I want you guys to understand, in, if you look at like the direct response industry, like companies like Agora, this is, how the, this is how they work. So what they'll do is they have an offer. They have something they're going to sell, and they'll have five different copywriters write a different sales letter for the offer. Okay, and the reason why they're trying to find out whose sales letter, whose copy is going to be the best, right? And, so, and um, this is how it works. I've got a lot of friends that write for Agora. So they'll have, here's the product. Five different people write the copy. They send out the ads for all different five, and they find out which one of these five is the one that's going to win. Okay, so they do the test, and all of a sudden this copywriter wins. So if that copywriter is the winner, it means that person is the control. This is the ad that's working the best. They get rid of all the rest of them, and all of the royalties go to that copywriter. Does that make sense? So when they so they step back, so they hire a copy, hire copywriters for projects like this. They'll pay them each like I don't know, twenty five thousand dollars to write the sales letter. And if your sales letter wins, if it becomes a control, you'd also get like a ten or fifteen percent royalty in all sales that happen to that sales letter. So if that one wins, boom, she gets the royalty. Okay. Now the next phase they do is then they take the, they take the control. This is the one that's working the best. And then they have all five copywriters and they say, okay, here's the control. Each of you guys rewrite the intro and see if you can beat it. And so each person's got a shot to try to rewrite the intro and they start sending it out and see if they can beat the last control. And if they can beat the control, then that copywriter gets the money. Is that crazy? Like I had a friend who had a winning control for, um, uh, for Agora for like eight or nine years, he was, his control won and nobody could beat him, nobody could beat him. And finally one day some copywriter tweaked the headline and got the headline to beat his headline and the royalty shifted to the copywriter to tweak the headline because he now had the control. But that's how the game is played at the big level, the big huge direct response marketers. Okay. For us as funnel hackers, our goal is similar. So instead of paying a whole bunch of money copywriters to write the control, we're trying to find out what funnel is most likely to succeed for the thing I'm trying to sell. Okay, so um, you guys, a lot of you have heard this story before, but when I was launching NurseCell, my first supplement, the first question was like, okay, how am I going to sell this thing? Like, what am I going to do? Like, what should I, what should page one be? What should my video be? Like, my first step was like, what is the control? What is the thing that's currently working the best to sell supplements? I got to figure that out. Okay, because there's a control. So I started going out there and looking at every single supplement company, and I started buying their products to see what was happening. Step one, what did they do? Step two, I started studying. This is me doing my homework, right? Okay, so step number one is find out what's working. And again, if you've seen my Funnel Hacks presentation, you've seen this, but I went through, um, this is the Marine D3 offer at the time, went through their offer, and they had a VSL, and then order form with one, three, and four bottles, then upsell selling six more bottles of the same thing, and they had their offer number two and offer number three. And so that was the structure. Uh, at the time, this funnel was doing, I think, $3 million a month. And so I knew that like, if I was going to build a supplement, this was the control. This was currently working the best today. So I'm not going to go and reinvent the wheel and guess. I'm going to funnel hack that. So okay, this is what I need to create, and that becomes the control. Right? I take that control, I doodled out, like, here's what I need to build. I log into ClickFunnels and I build out my version of that, right? And that's how, that's how funnel hacking works. We find the thing and work the control. So I know you guys have heard me tell that story before, but I want to show you guys a couple of the real world examples of how we've done that. Uh, a good example, this is um, Fiberfix. How many of you guys um, have ever seen Fiberfix before? 
Uh, this is a, a video that Harmon Brothers did that went really viral. We don't have time to watch it, unfortunately, because it's really funny. But um, they launched this video. Uh, they were driving people to like a Shopify store, and it wasn't making very much money. And so they contacted me and said, hey, can you help us build a funnel? Because you keep, you keep hearing the funnels are really good. And so we did a swap where they did an ad for us in exchange for us doing um, a funnel. So as soon as I agreed to this, I signed the contract. Like, okay, I'm going to build a funnel for Fiberfix. The first thing I said is like, I have no idea how to build an e-commerce funnel. I don't have an e-commerce brand. Oh, crap. I'm screwed. So what did I do? The first question was like, who has already done this in the past? Who has an e-commerce brand that's killing it? And the person I knew inside of ClickFunnels at the time was Trey Llewellyn. Trey had this uh, flashlight offer that was blowing up. Uh, his numbers were insane. And so I called Trey. I was like, hey, dude, show me your flashlight funnel. And he said, okay. And he started showing me. Here's step one. Here's step two. Here's what I do in every single page. Trey had the control. He had a funnel doing millions and millions of dollars a month. He knew what worked. So I didn't have to go guess and reinvent and hope and things. I asked Trey, I said, what is it? And he showed me the entire funnel. I doodled it out. I said, this is the control. This is what Trey's funnel looks like. And I went back to our designers, which was me and Steven Larson at the time. <laughs> and uh, we built out this funnel, right? So the first step wasn't me trying to figure out like, oh, let me figure out how to do this. My first step was who has the control? Who has already figured out the best funnel to sell a product like this? It was Trey. I called him on the phone. He showed me the thing. I modeled out and we just modeled it as close as we could. That's funnel hacking. Okay. Recently we acquired um, a new supplement company called Zuma Juice. It's going to be launching really soon um, from one of my friends. In fact, um, I'm excited about this for a lot of reasons, but one of them is that when this product first came out seven or eight years ago, um, it was when I launched Funnel University, our old print newsletter, and I actually funnel hacked, um, I funnel hacked Zuma Juice's funnel in the, um, uh, in this issue. And uh, I used to film myself funnel hacking and, I, and in the video, I literally, I go to the sales page, I buy the product, I go to the thank you page and there was no upsell. I was like, what? Like, why does this person hate money so bad? There's literally nothing else for me to buy. There's no upsells, no downsells, or nothing. Like, I'm like, ah. And eventually this company went out of business, right? And I don't know the whole story behind that, but the company went out of business and I was like, oh my gosh, like, but I really want it. I'm going to tell you guys, I'm doing a session tonight after dinner. That's going to be, I'm going to go deeper into this because it's going to be a really fun session tonight. But, um, but after we bought the company, I was like, okay, I need to build a funnel, but I haven't built a supplement funnel in seven, uh, almost eight years. Like, I don't know what to do. So step number one, we started a new project. And so we set up a Trello board. If you look at my Trello boards, there's a column that says to do in progress completed. But the very first thing we did is create a column that said funnel hacking. And I went, I found every single supplement that I could find. And guess what I did? I bought them. Every single one. So I bought this supplement, I bought this supplement, I bought this one, I bought this one. And after going through and buying, I think we ended up buying wow, 15, 16 different supplements. My goal was not that I wanted a whole bunch of powders and pills coming to my house. Although now we have piles and piles of powders and pills at our house. Uh, my goal of doing this was to figure out what is the control? That's the question I got to figure out. What's the control? What's this thing that's selling supplements today the best? Not seven years ago, but today, what's the thing that's working the best? So I funnel hacked as many people as we could. After we looked through all of them, we said, okay, based on this, they all have different tweaks and changes. They're all, they're all a little bit different, but as a whole, this is the control. We mapped it out, said this is the control. So we had to create, now we know. And then we went in and we filled in the blanks with our offer, which is going live very, very soon. Okay, that's what funnel hacking is all about. Now you guys are lucky because over the next four days, we have a whole bunch of amazing speakers and they're going to come on stage and show you what? They're going to be showing you their controls. Pedro Day was talking about challenge funnels. He's going to be like, hey guys, I've done 4,000 challenge funnels in the last couple of days. Do you want to see what they look like? This is my control. It's worked over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. If you want to do a challenge funnel, he's going to show you his control, right? Um, Lauren Golden's going to be talking about webinars. She's going to be like, hey, um, I've got a webinar funnel that made me you know, multiple two comic boards. You guys want to see it? Here's the control. And she's going to show you the exact webinar funnel. 
Okay, well, you guys are here at Funnel Hacking Live. We're trying to show you guys controls of different types of different funnels, how they work, what they look like, how you can structure them, so you guys can look at that and know how to build your own. But at the same time, you may be, you know, we may not show the kind of funnel you're using, but that's what this group is for. That's what this room is for, networking, talking to other people, finding out, like, what kind of funnel you have, how does it work, and, like, learning those things. Okay? The thing we're looking for is we're looking for the control. What is the control that's working today that I can model as I'm building my funnel? Does that make sense? Okay, you're way more likely to be successful if you're working off of control than if you're just working off of your thoughts and your guesses and your hopes, okay? Uh, in fact, Gary Vee's got a message for you guys that kind of drives this one home. Uh, this is a 30-second video from Gary that hopefully will help. If I'm marketing, I'm in business, and if I don't understand the market, if I don't deeply understand the competitive landscape, the supply and demand chain, uh, what I'm going to do, the marketing opportunities, the white space that I love to play in so much, then I'm going to lose. So many of you starting t-shirt companies without doing a hardcore audit of the 50, 100 t-shirt companies in the market, and that's why so many people lose. They confuse enthusiasm or hobby for business skills, and so before you do anything, before you jump into anything, do your damn homework. Okay, the Russell version of that is do your dang homework, all right? Okay, photo audibles. Um, number one, did my slides go weird? Oh, there we go. Okay, secret number one, marketing math. Secret number two, then, is finding the control. Okay, you ready for secret number three? Secret number three is called average cart value. We talked about this, but I want to go deeper into how to increase your average cart value, some of the secrets we use. Okay, this is especially useful over the last few months as Facebook and Apple have been in this big fight, which has caused all of our costs to acquire a customer to go up, right? How many of you guys have felt that in your business? Super annoying, right? So our job is to figure out how can we um, drop our average cart value, right? What can we do, or excuse me, how, how do we um, increase our, yeah, sorry, our cart value. Okay, um, this is a quote from my very first mentor. How many of you guys know who Dan Kennedy is? Yeah, um, Dan Kennedy is the legend. Um, anyway, he's one of my... Yeah, I've been learning from him since the beginning of my, of all my marketing mentors, he's the number one marketing mentor I've had for, for so long. And of all the things he said, this is one of the most powerful things he said. He said, ultimately the business that can spend the most money to acquire a customer wins. Okay, that's what this whole average cart value thing is based on, is who can spend the most money to acquire a customer. For example, if you're selling stuff on Amazon, what is your potential average cart value? Right? If I'm selling a book, like best case scenario, if someone goes to Amazon and buys my book, I can make $15.95. That's best case scenario. Okay, so if I want to break even, I can spend $15.95 on ads, and after that, like, I'm, I'm in the hole, right? I'm losing money, okay? So with the funnel, the power of a funnel is that we can increase our potential average cart value. So someone comes through here, and let's say they go, and they, there's a $7.95 uh, book, and then there's a $37 upsell, then a $97 upsell, $297. If you take all of those numbers together and you add them together, the potential average cart value is $438.35. Okay, so potentially I could spend up to that. If ever, if ever about every offer, I could spend that much money to break even, right? Now, obviously, everyone's not going to, but for me to be successful with my average car, I need to have enough offers in the funnel that I can, that I can spend more money. Okay, this is kind of like if you want to be, and again, I'm not a baseball player, so I may, I may like fail in this analogy, but if you have one up bat, right? You get up one, so you got one shot to, to swing, and that's all you got, you're probably not going to be that good, right? With Amazon, I got one shot. Like, I get, every single person shows up and needs to buy or else I'm not going to make my, any money. With this, if my average, potential average car value is $438, I can miss a whole bunch, but the, the, the upsells and the downsells, all the, the higher ticket things, makes it so I can spend more money, right? Way more likely to be successful, okay? So the question then is in your funnel, like, what is the potential average car value? If someone's to buy every single thing in your funnel, what is your potential average car value? You guys should know that number. If you don't, this is the first thing to go back, like, look at that thing. And then the question is, like, okay, now I know that's, that's the best case scenario. What can I do to increase it? 
I get that number higher, if I get that number from $430 to like $700, I got more shots at bat, right? More chances to make more money coming back through. Now you have to be careful though, because um, one thing that a lot of marketers, and I do not agree with this, is they say, okay, well, if I can make $438 potential from these, these four or five pages, what if I give them more pages? And they put you through something that we call upsell hell. Anyone ever been in a funnel like this? Where it's like, man, if two upsells is good, 42 is even better, right? And they keep taking you through this thing. And in theory, that's like, oh, that's a really good idea, right? Because now my potential average cart value is like $8,000. This is the problem though. And I didn't realize this. This is uh, a test we did probably a decade ago. We had a, an upsell flow that it wasn't quite this long, but it was close um, because I was learning. I, I made a lot of mistakes in the business. And, and my first mistake was like, I need to have more offers so I can make more money, so I can spend more money to acquire a customer, which logically makes sense until you see the data. So what happened is um, we ended up, some of our friends owned a, a software that did like ratings and reviews. So on the thank you page, at the end of our funnel, the thing would pop up and say, hey, how was your experience today? And people would like fill it out. And I remember we were in the middle of a product launch and uh, we put it down and people were going through. And after like two or three days of the, two or three days of the product launch, he said, he's like, hey, um, look at the, the testimonials and you can use the testimonials on your sales page. I'm like, cool. So we went and we looked at the testimonials, the people who had gone through the gauntlet of like a thousand offers. And what I found out is my brand new customers hated me. They were so angry, right? And so while you may make more money by having this in the short term, you make way less money in the long term right? If I was, if the very first offer you guys came through in my world, I had 42 upsells, you probably wouldn't be in this room right now. Okay. But eventually you did, right? And so, um, th- there's this fine line of like too much stuff, um, where you make more money up front, but less money over time. Right. And so the secret to understand is if you can have more offers in less space, that's how you can increase your potential average cart value. Okay. More offers in less space. Um, so I'm gonna show you some ways you can slip offers into your funnel that doesn't add more pages. Okay, but it, it increases your cart value dramatically. Okay, um, the secret, as I was thinking about this, trying to explain something, like, it's kind of like um, um, airlines, right? If you look at airline, like here's this plane, we're all going to the same direct, the same spot, right? But everyone's coming here. But there's a percentage of the people who jump on this plane who are not going to fly in the back. They're only going to do first class, even though we're going to the exact same spot. We have like an extra inch of leg room, but we're going to pay twice as much money to sit in the front of the, of the plane instead of the back, right? Okay, you think about this, in every single business, there's a group of people who will send up to the next level, to the higher thing. Happens on airplanes, it happens in your business. So what most of us do in our funnels is we only offer coach seats, right? So because you only get coach offers, but if you increase and you you add what we call first class offers to a funnel, a percentage of people will always take it, right? 20% of the plane is going to pay twice as much for a little bit more leg room, okay? 20% of your your audience who eat your funnel can give you more money if you just offer it to them. Okay, so a couple things we notice. Oh, actually, I have a important note. <clears throat> when you're doing these first-class offer upsells, you don't talk about them in your pitch. So if you're in a webinar or a VSL or something, you don't talk about, like, you can buy it for this price or for this price. You don't talk about the multiple different things. You only talk about the best offer. That's it. Okay? The order form will have different offers. So like, for example, when I was doing my Funnel Hacks webinar, they could buy for, um, for 1997 or 2997. So on the webinar, I never once mentioned the 2997. I only talk about the 1997. I talk about the best offer over and over and over again. When they come to the sales page, they see both options. And this form, for example, I think it's like 18% of the people pay the, the extra thousand dollars. Okay. Now if I, in my webinar, if I'm talking about both prices, it's going to confusing and it, it'll hurt the sale. But I, I just offered on the order form and it happens. Um, here's another example of order form. We did that, right? The left-hand side, we just had the thousand dollar offer. The right-hand side, we just added a little block that said, or you can buy the $2,000 offer. And boom, sure enough, uh, you know, 20, 25% of people took the second offer, increased how much money we made in the funnel. 
Okay. Um, again, this, oh, we did this with two. We also did it with three where we had a $2,000 offer, $3,000, and a, a basically a $6,000 offer. And guess what? Like one out of 10 people took the $6,000 offer. My numbers get way better really, really fast. My average card value dramatically goes up when you get one person out of 10 or one out of 20 or one out of 30, you buy the higher ticket thing. Plus, as a decoy, more people bought the middle thing when we added the five, nine, and seven as well, which is kind of cool. Okay. You can also add first class upgrade offers inside of your uh, upsell flow. Uh, this is something that Trey showed me inside of his e-commerce funnels. Okay. On this page, you notice this, someone just bought fiber fix on the, on the prior page. Now this is upsell number one. And I'm telling them, hey, you can add a starter kit, right? The headline says, hey, add one more starter kit and this is the deal. But then I have two options, okay? Where they can get one or they can get two, okay? And the same thing on upsell number two. Instead of, I, I talk about the one thing to buy, but then I give them two different options. Um, you see this a lot in supplement funnels as well. You come to the sales funnel and it's like, hey, I'm buying one product, but then you get the, the order form. It's like, you can buy one, you can buy three, you can buy five, and you have different options. So the people who would upgrade on a plane are the same people who are gonna upgrade in your funnel as well, and then go and grab those ones as well. Um, another good example in Fiberfix, we did this. Initially, when uh, we work with Fiberfix, you could only buy like one, uh, one Fiberfix. So what Trey showed us is like, hey, on the order form, give them a bunch of options. So someone could get the, the pack that had three, or they can get six, or they can get nine, or they can get 12, or 15, or 30. And what's crazy is that before we added this in here, every single person coming to the funnel only bought the one kit. When we started adding this, it was like 60% of the people started buying three. We tripled how much money we're making just by having more options, okay? And every once in a while, someone came through and bought 30, which increases how much we can spend on ads, right? Sliding these little things inside your funnel. Um, order form bumps is where this whole principle came from. Um, we were taking, we were having a whole upsell page just for a product. We said, what if we took the upsell page and what if we slid it on the order form? So someone has, puts their credit card in, but before they click the submit button, there's a little spot right there that says, hey, do you want to add this to your order? They click the button, right? And you guys are all aware of order form bumps. We've been talking about them now for seven years. Um, but that's what an order form bump is. Between the credit card and the, the submit button is that spot right there where someone can add that to their offer. Recently, we started doing like, well, instead of doing one order form bump, what if we added two? And it's crazy. We had a $37 order form bump and a $97 order form bump. And before we were getting like, I think it was like 30% of people were taking this one right here. And now we got 30% of people to take both of them, which is crazy. Increase how much we can spend for every single person coming through our funnel. That makes sense? I know I'm rapid firing, but I just want to show you guys tons of different ways you guys can start looking at this differently. Um, on our upsell page, right? We had an upsell page. We sold the, the, the box set, but then underneath it, we started adding order form bumps on our actual upsell page. And guess what? Huge percent of people also took the order form bumps on the upsell page as well. Um, also on our supplement offer, we always have like a one-click upsell for, uh, for, um, for a supplement. And one thing we're testing right now is one-click upsell, but then having three different pricing points as well. Um, so it's just giving, the, giving those, the, the premium buyers the ability to buy premium at every single step of the, of the page by sliding these offers in. Um, another really cool thing you can do to increase the offers in your funnel without increasing the, uh, the number of pages is instead of having like a yes page and a no thanks page and things like that, we do no thanks pop-ups. So this button right here, they say no thanks. Instead of actually going to no thanks page, it pops up a thing and has a payment plan right there inside the page. Okay. It seems smaller in the customer's journey because they're not going to a whole other page. It's just real quick. Are you sure? Cause we can give to you a discount. I'm like, oh, sure. Okay. And the last set of things I'll show you are thank you page, uh, uh, offers on the, the offer. We had a chance to work with Rachel Hollis on this funnel for her and, uh, she was selling her journals, but then she sells jewelry as well. So on the thank you page, we put a bunch of her jewelry and literally in click funnels, you can make those one click upsells. So you click on the button and boom, it adds it to your order. Click the next one and boom, it adds it to your order and just add that to the thank you page. Uh, this is Trey's page where he did that as well. He had thank you page offers on the thank you page as an offer wall. 
And then one last idea is actually doing a webinar on your thank you page as well. This is something that was kind of cool. Um, we've done this in a lot of our book funnels where someone comes in and they're buying a book on how to be an expert. They get to the thank you page and I know that I'm trying to sell them a $2,000 offer through my webinar. So I put the entire webinar there. It says like literally the thing that they signed up for. So how to launch your expert business next three days for under $2,000. And they make a presentation where then we sell them the $2,000 thing that they need to be successful. Okay. And so these are all these little things we do to increase the average cart value. Okay. Again, I showed you guys earlier, if I'm selling one off, best case scenario, I make $15.95. I come over here through a funnel. That's the question is how much can I make? Like what can my potential average cart value be? The higher that is, the more money you'll be able to spend on advertising as you're going through the process. Does that help? Okay. All right. Whew, these are fun. All right. Number one, again, as, um, Marketing math, make sure your CPA is uh, smaller than your average cart value. You can start scaling. Number two is finding control. Number three then is figuring out ways to increase the average cart value. The higher that gets, the more money you can spend in ads. Secret number four now, cost per acquisition. How do we get the cost per acquisition lower? Okay. Um, so again, I want to get to the point where I'm spending a dollar in ads and making two or spending a dollar making 10, whatever that is. However, I can do that. So the first question is ads. How many of you guys love making ads inside of your business? That's a small group. I got a secret for you. Making ads is the key to making money. Just so you know, you build the funnel once, then you build ads for the rest of the time. <laughs> okay. Um, that's kind of the, the big secret. In fact, um, Dean's not speaking this year's event, but um, Dean and I were having a race to see who could sell more of our books. And at first we were like doing pretty similar back to back and back, uh, neck to neck. And then um, something happened and he started selling way more books than us. And it's funny because we got on a consult call to kind of help each other, like coach through what we're doing. And our funnels look very similar. He funnel hacked me identically. So I was like, I don't know how else to fix this because you literally copied my funnel. Um, but I was like, but how are you selling more books than me? And he literally was, he was selling four times more books than we were. And at first we couldn't figure it out, right? This doesn't make any sense. And so we eventually flew down to his office to try to dig deeper and try to figure out how we can help each other. Flew to his office. And after two or three hours of digging through all the metrics and numbers, we realized that the difference between our campaigns and Dean's campaigns is that Dean was, was creating way more ads than us. And I was like, how many ads are you creating? He's like, oh, a couple a day. I was like, a couple a day? I'm like, I do like once, you know, once or twice every couple months, maybe. He said, no, we do a couple, like, I do a lot of them. And he told me this story that was interesting. Uh, if you know Dean, he used to do infomercials for 20 years before he started doing the whole internet marketing stuff. And he said when he would do an infomercial with like Larry King or whoever's infomercial was, they would record the infomercial, they put it on TV, and the infomercial would last about 18 months. After 18 months, so many people saw it that it stopped working and he had to go back in the studio and refilm a new one. So he said every 18 months for 20 years, he'd go film a new uh, infomercial and it would work again, right? He said the interesting thing, he said with Facebook and with Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and all different things like that, he said that it, the ads don't last 18 months. He's like, they last closer to like 18 days. And so if you're only creating a new ad every eight, you know, every couple months, you're in trouble, right? It's ad creative. And so we got back to that trip. We started making ad after ad, after ad, after ad, after ad. And we started catching up to be able to sell as many books as, as uh, Dean did. So a lot of creative. Okay. So the next question is like, well, what kind of creative, like what ads should I make? I don't even know how to make ads, Russell. There's a million different options. Like, how do I do it? So I'm going to show you something really cool that we learned over the last year. That's been really cool. Okay. There's seven different proven ad types that work, that work awesome. And I actually learned this from chamber media. Um, we started doing a whole bunch of ads with them. Some of you guys may have seen some of them. Some of them, I was the actor and they're kind of embarrassing. Other ones were really awesome. But, um, I was hanging out a lot with Travis, who was the owner of chamber media and he developed a software he calls the brain. 
And he said that the brain, they started using the software and said they went from 50% of the ads they made for the clients working to over 80% by understanding what ads work the best. And they literally went, scraped Facebook, scraped Instagram, scraped all these things and looked at tens of thousands of different ads and found that all the ads that were working consistently over time all fit into one of seven different categories. And these were the seven categories that they found. And I asked him, like, can I share that at Funlocky Live? He's like, yes, you can. And so I'm pumped that he let me share this. But these are the seven ad types. I'm going to go through each of them because when you understand these, it's kind of cool. Because right now when I start, and I need to make ads, we rotate through these. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to do uh, a spokesperson ad. Number two, I'm going to do a product demo. Number three, I'm going to do a social proof. And I'm going to do a closer ad. I kind of just rotate through these things. I'm trying to figure out what kind of ad should I make. Right? Most of us are like, uh, I don't know what kind of ad to make. Let me just get my phone out and make an ad real quick. Right? This gave us a process like, hey, let's keep testing these things and move throughout. Okay, so an example, this is a spokesperson ad. Some of you guys have seen with the Harmon Brothers, we did a lot of these. We hired an expensive spokesperson. They did it. Sometimes I was a spokesperson. And the high production ones are amazing, but they're also really, really expensive. You can also do ones that are really simple. So this is an example of one we did. Um, we wrote a script. We hired an actress for $400. She read the script. We put some video overlays and 400 bucks. This ad was out the door. And this one actually is beating a lot of the ones we spent literally hundreds of thousands of dollars on. So I'll show you guys this first like 10 seconds so you get an idea of how it works. Stop. Entrepreneurs and small business owners, I'm about to show you a weird, almost backwards, funnel secret that is currently being used by an underground group of entrepreneurs to sell almost anything online. It's a web class where you will discover how over 987 business owners, just like you, have created their own two comma club sales funnel using ClickFunnels, and how you can launch your first or next online sales funnel in less than 10 minutes. All right, I'll keep going, but that was an example of a spokesperson, right? Very simple, very easy to do, and again, you could be the spokesperson, you can hire a spokesperson, um, it's really cool. Number two, product demo. Um, and there's a lot of ways. Everyone's product's different. This is how we've demoed a book, right? As simple as like just flipping through the pages or taking the Kindle ebook version and just scrolling through. Both these ads are really, really well for us, but we're demoing the product. Um, for my business, it's, it's difficult. How do you, you can demo software, obviously, but I was like, how do you demo a book? I wanted to demo a book in a really cool way. So one of the things we did with Chamber that was really fun is this video right here. And I'm not going to show the, have the audio play, but I want you to see the, the video because I was like, how do we demo a sales funnel? We're geeking forward back, geeking out back and forth. And I said, what if we demo it like actually showing a funnel and you get Coke and you put a Mentos in it and try to spray the Coke and see how much falls in the bottle without a funnel and then do it a second time with an actual funnel. And so um, we made this video, which was really dorky and fun. We rented an Airbnb and we had to like put plastic all over the ceilings and the floors because of this. <laughs> and like it's, it's really hard to get Coke in the top of a little bottle. Just like it's hard to get customers to buy your product unless you have something awesome, which we like to call a sales funnel. Oh, so we took the, se <laughs> we took the sales funnel. <laughs> it was such a mess. Like we were just cleaning Coke up for, yeah, it was everywhere. And then we spray like this and check it out. Oh, in a funnel, you can catch way more of the Coke inside of the actual thing. And so we demoed a concept that was in a book that sells dot-com secrets and sells funnels, okay? So for you, like, how can you demo your product? Sometimes it's really easy. Sometimes you have to be really creative when you're selling a book and you're trying to do a product demo on a book, okay? Uh, so product demo is number two. Number three, social proof, right? You get testimonials, people that have success with you. This is an example of social funnels proof. Funnels is a software that enables you to build out full sales funnels. Funnels is basically a step-by-step -step thing to get a person from A to B. You get to use it for anything you can think of. Regardless of Social proof, right? Getting other people who have success with your product, filming it, testimonials, things like that. 
Uh, closer ads, these are obvious, are, are typically used most for like retargeting ads. So this one, we we're in an arcade. I had my book. I was like, get a phone out quick. We're going to record a uh, closing ad real quick. And so this is for somebody who came to the dot-com secret site, didn't buy the book and left. They would see this ad following them for the next week or so. All right, I'm really confused. Miss Pac-Man, you came to my site to get the book. You're all excited about it. You left, and now you're playing Miss Pac-Man? For crying out loud, like, this is the money you'd spend on Miss Pac-Man. You can literally get a copy of this book shipped to you for free. It's less than 10 bucks, cover the shipping and handling, and then you'll make enough money. You can play Pac-Man, you can play Qbert. You can play whatever you want, but you need to get this copy of the book right now. Okay, so really simple to do, right? Grab our phone. Where are you at? I was at the arcade. Let's just film it really quick right here, right? Super fast ads you can create that way as well. So number four, closer ads. Ads that are pushing someone over the edge to close them on the sale. Uh, number five, case studies. Okay, showing your product um, actually being used. So um, this is Doodly. I'll talk more about this later this week. But this is Doodly. And it's someone using it, actually using a case study of them doing the, using the actual software. Okay, we can do the same thing with ClickFunnels. Like here's somebody actually using a case study of how they use ClickFunnels, when the site they end up building, what the funnel actually look like. Okay, same thing for you. How can you guys build case studies? Uh, lifestyle business. Now, most people in the lifestyle things in my industry are like them in a Ferrari or them in a airplane or whatever. Um, I like lifestyle videos that are more simple. This is uh, Eric Thane and his wife. And this is an example of an ad is them opening a two comic book box. It's kind of showing them and their lifestyle inside of their, their home. Okay, we're recording. It's Eric, Eric Thane. Uh, we are opening There's the infamous two comic club award. We got it right here. This is exciting. I've been thinking about this for a long time. Ooh. Woo! Okay, there it is. Oh, they got the right name. The Two Comic Club Award. Wow. Oh, that's so cool. 2019. There it is. Exciting. Thanks. Anyway, I love seeing you guys unboxing videos. Please keep sending those as they come in. Like, they're my favorite to watch. Okay, but lifestyle. So how can you show lifestyle in an ad? And again, it can be anything from like, here's how I live because of the product or service I have. Here's how my customers live because of the product or service they have. Okay. Um, all those things kind of work. Um, unboxing. This was a harder one in my industry because most of our stuff is, is digital. So I'm like, how do we do an unboxing funnel? And uh, so <laughs> this is how we do one of ours. One of our free plus shipping products. your product and literally ship it to yourself and then record yourself going in opening it. Um, we do that a lot. Um, okay. I want to recommend you guys start going out and um, seeing ads on Facebook or YouTube, like start looking at those and start categorizing them in different categories. Uh, this is another th interesting thing from, uh, from Chamber Media, from the brain, is they found these are the average time lengths of the videos that are the most successful, which is kind of encouraging because like, like most of them are 25 seconds, 30 seconds. These aren't long form ads. The ones that are most successful, they're short form, they're fast. Um, and so like in, I recommend look at those seven categories. Next time you're on Facebook or whatever, start looking like, oh, that's lifestyle that, oh, that's a case study. And as you start doing that and categorizing things, it'll give you ideas about how you can do that in your business as well. Okay. I see all you guys taking pictures of slides. I love it. Okay. Um, so that's the next one. So again, secret number one is marketing math. CPA lowering the average car value. Number two is finding the control. Number three is increasing the average car value. And then number four is decreasing your cost per acquisition. More ads, good ads, quality ads is going to decrease your cost per acquisition. As your funnel, uh, as your average car value goes up and your costs go down, this will get more and more successful and more likely to be able to scale your things. All right, secret number five, and no one ever talks about this one very much. It's called earnings per click. Uh, earnings per click is something that's, that's shown very heavily on the ClickFunnels dashboard, right? You guys have seen it before. This is earnings per click. How many of you guys have seen that before? 
And you're like, I don't really know how to diagnose this. I guess all the time people in a circle, they're messaging me. They're like, hey, my average card value is $191, Russell. It's cool, but like, I'm not making very much money. How come? I said, oh, because your EPCs are low. I'm like, what does that mean? I said, EPC is like the gateway into your funnel. So let's say your average card value, let's say you have a potential average card value of 1000 bucks, right? And one person buys and they buy everything. Your average card value shows 1000 bucks. You're like, man, this funnel's killing it. But my EPC is 13 cents. Why is that? It's because nobody's making it through your landing page. EPC uh, is showing you the landing page number, and it's showing you if that's a brick wall or if it's a gate that people can come through. Okay, this is the telltale number. When I'm doing consulting. Like, My funnel's not working. I look at EPC. I'm like, oh, your, your landing page is a brick wall. That's why. The lower the EPC, the bigger the brick wall. The higher the EPC, the more that shifts from a, from a, from a brick wall to a, to a funnel and a gate. Okay? And so if you're... Uh, Again, you have cost per acquisition there, average card value, those two numbers we're, we're going back and forth with, and then the EPC is the last math number in there. Your earnings per click, how much you make per click, and if it's not high enough, it means that you've got a brick wall that's keeping people from coming into your funnel, okay? And so low EPC, like I said, it's landing page brick wall. I'm looking at that, how do we increase it? So I gotta figure out, I gotta test and tweak this landing page. Now most of the, the, the split testing we do happens on the landing page. Okay, we talked about testing and split testing and tweaking things. Most of our testing happens here. This is where the majority of it happens because this is the key, that like getting people through that front door or if they're slamming into a brick wall is the, is the most important thing. Okay, and again, if we get one that's, that's good where EPC is like 11 bucks, now we can scale this thing like crazy. Okay, so here's the test we do. Okay, and there's not a ton of tests. We're not testing every element, every sentence, every everything. There's a couple of tests we're doing. The first test is we're testing radically different landing page styles. Okay, before doing any kind of headline test or anything, the first one is radically different, head, uh, different page styles. For example, this is a test that we're rolling out right now. We've got the current .com secrets book funnel, which beat our old radical one. This is the control currently. Now we're testing against one that looks like Amazon. Right? People know how to buy from Amazon. What if this Amazon page outconverts? Now the test isn't live yet, so I don't know the result yet, but this is the next test. It's radically different page designs. Okay? This is where you get big, huge shifts in conversion. Not just like little onesie twosies. If you're doing completely different radical page designs, that's the first test. Okay, so typically when we launch a new funnel, we're going to do like two different versions. Maybe it's like a white one with a white background and a dark one. Maybe it's one with a two-step order form versus one that's just normal. And we do two radically different pages to see which one is most, is the best. And that's the first test. Okay, after you figure that out, you pick the winner and that becomes the new control. Right, now we have the new control. Our next thing is, what's the next test to try to beat this control? Okay, our next test, we start shifting and focusing on headlines. This next most, most important thing to test. Let's uh, take the headline block. And I set up two or three different tests to try different headlines to see which headline is going to win. Okay, you run a bunch of headline tests so one of them wins and that becomes the new control. Okay, after that, the next thing we're going to test, if it's still not converting, if it still has low EPCs, is we're going to test radically different offers. So one test that we've been working with right now is like, come get a free book or come get a free book and a t-shirt. The offer's different, right? Maybe the t-shirt with the book is going to be a higher offer versus something else. So he's looking at what is the actual offer you're selling. That's the next test we do. Test number three, if it's still not working, is actually shifting the entire offer. And then test number four is changing the lead. The lead is like the first, you know, the first 20 seconds of the video, the first uh, above the fold of the page. It's like all the, the beginning stuff. And if you want to learn about this, uh, Great Leads is an insanely good book that nobody ever talks about. Uh, all about like the, the lead of your sales message. Um, it's really cool. We gave it to all the two Comic Club X members last year. So most of you guys... Uh, a lot of you guys have it, but if you don't, try to get it. It's not like in print half the time. Like it's kind of a weird thing, but if you can get that book, it's just a, real, a lot of really cool things to help you to understand how do you tweak the message, the very first 20, 30 seconds of the message to get higher conversions. So those are the four tests we do to try to increase our EPC to get more people coming into the funnel. Okay. All right, a couple more. Uh, next is, I got EPC there. All right, number six. 
is after we've got all these things in place, now we need to let the, uh, let the market vote with their credit cards. I said let the marketing vote. Let the market vote with their credit cards. Okay? This is where too often we get into our heads like, oh, I think people are going to buy this. I think people are going to buy this. When people ask me like, will you look at my funnel and let me know if, it's like, if I should test anything? I'm like, the first question I ask is, have you tested it yet? Have you driven any traffic? They're like, no, but I want your opinion first. Like, I don't want to give you my opinion first because I might mess this whole thing up. I have no idea if it's going to work or not work. The only people's opinion that matters is your customers. Will they pull their credit card out of their wallet and vote with their credit card? Okay, so it's not my opinion, not anybody else's. Like, you've got to let the market test. You've got to let the market vote if it's going to work or not. So we take our control. We take the thing we create, the best possible thing we have, right? We go and create the pages, put the offers, put all the things in the best possible thing we can, right? Um, and then what I like to do is I like to take... Um, and people always ask me, well, how much money should I test? I like to take what the potential average cart value is, and that's what I test initially. Okay, so if I have a webinar that's selling a $1,000 product, I'm going to test $1,000 on my first test to go through the webinar funnel. If I get one person to buy and I break even, it's like, sweet, this is awesome. Okay, if this is a book funnel and someone goes through, if they were to buy everything, and let's say my average potential cart value is $300, I would invest $300 in ads to see if the funnel is going to work. And I'm going to put $300 in and see at the end of it, did I make $300? If not, then I'm going to go back and start tweaking things. Okay, so I invest with the potential average cart value. However much money I would make, that's what I invest in ads. I let it run and I see what happens. Okay, I buy the ads, I step back and I just wait. Let's see what happens. And then I'm just looking at the data. Okay, now again, this is really easy when you have simple funnels, but if you've got super complex funnels, it gets really confusing. But this is a simple funnel, right? It's like there's not that many options. Number one is the ad. Okay, I look at the ad, like did it do well, did it not do well? Okay, if the, if the, uh, if the CPA is lower than the average cart value, then that one's good. Cool, I don't need to worry about that. If it's the opposite, where the, um, the CPA is low, then I'm going to like, okay, I need a different ad. Let me try a different ad creator. Let me make new ads. Let me try different things. Try to get that to work, right? Then it goes to the landing page. Okay, I'm looking, what is the percent conversion? This one I wrote up is 41%. Okay, that means the EPC is probably going to be pretty high. It means it's doing well. Okay, and then after that's the average cart value. How much money they spend in average from every single step inside the funnel? Okay, so I kind of lay that out and I look at the numbers. Okay, we've got 41%, 7, 20, 14, and I'm looking at those numbers. Now, whenever, again, when I, look at, when I consult people, I have them drive traffic through the funnel, and then they come back and I say, show me the numbers. I want to see the numbers on the ad, the landing page, every single page inside the funnel. I look at those numbers, and now we can diagnose things, right? These are actually numbers of a really good funnel, but let's say page number one was 41%, but the order form was 1%, Okay? I know like something's broken. Page number two is the thing that's broken. We've got to fix that thing. So then the next question is like, well, how do we fix that? I don't even know how to fix it. Okay? The way we always fix all the problems in every single page in this funnel comes back to something we talked about two funnel hacking labs ago, which is hook, story, offer. It's always either the hook, the story, or the offer. One of those things, is, three things is the thing that's broken every single time, 100%. Okay? I'm going to ruin the surprise, but if you were to hire me for consulting, right, for a $100,000 console day, and you want me to look at your funnel... All I would do is I'd say, show me the numbers, like on th uh, this screen. Oh, let me go back. I'd say, show me the numbers. You'd write those numbers. I'd look at them, and I'm like, okay, 41% is awesome. 17 is good. Upsell one, you're at 1%. Like, something's wrong in that page. And I'm like, what do you think it is? Like, I don't really know. I'm like, well, it's either the hook, the story, or the offer. Which one do you think it is? And you'd be like, oh, the hook's good, but man, the story's not very good, huh? Oh, the offer kind of sucks. I'm like, yeah, oh, you're probably right. We should change the offer. And we change that, we tweak that, and then we go back and we do another test. Right? And that's, that's literally the game. So if you guys want to understand how it works, it's, it's taking a funnel, driving average cart value, looking where the numbers kind of fall, coming back and saying, okay, what's broken, what's not broken? If it's broken, it's always one of these two strings. Either the hook's broken, the story's broken, or the offer. You figure that out, you fix it, and you're good to go. Okay? That's kind of how the game's played. So 
letting the market vote. So again, this is the, the step so far. Number one is make sure the, uh, the cost to acquire customers less than the average car value. Number two is you find the control. Number three, the average car value. Number four is cost per acquisition. Number five, earning per click. Number six, letting the market vote. And there's one more. And the last one here is funnel stacking. Okay, this is how you get true market domination. Again, we come back to Dan Kennedy. Dan Kennedy said, ultimately, the business that can spend the most money to acquire customer wins. Okay, most of you guys, if you've had a business that's just focused on just one funnel, right? You got one funnel, that's where everything's happening. Um, as the ad costs and things have changed over the last three or four months and costs have gone up, it's going to be harder and harder to win. Okay, I've seen people who are good entrepreneurs who are struggling now because they're making all their money in one funnel, and now that funnel's not as profitable as it used to be because of the ad costs and everything's shifting, right? And so we start looking at funnel stacking. Funnel stacking is saying, okay, well, I have a funnel that I'm selling this first product, but maybe it's a break-even funnel. Maybe I, I only break even. Maybe I even lose a little bit of money selling my first product, but then I acquire a customer, and then I take them to the next funnel, which is I sell the next product in my value ladder. And then the next product and the next product. Those of you guys who have a true value ladder and you're doing funnel stacking where you move some from funnel number one to funnel two to funnel three and beyond, that's how you can outspend everybody else in the marketplace. That is the key. Okay? So that's what funnel stacking is. Now, I know that I covered a lot of stuff in a very short period of time, but I wanted to, I wanted to kind of dump this on you guys at the very beginning because I know so many people, um, as you come into this game, it's like there's so many steps, there's so many things, like what do I do, what do I not do? And for me, this is, this is how we play the game. It's very simple, okay? Step number one, we got to make sure that, that um, the cost to get a customer is less than we're made, or yeah, the cost is less than our average card value. That's the first thing we got to figure out, okay? So then how do I do that? The first thing I do is I got to find the control. I don't want to guess. So I figure out what's the funnel that's working today. I find that control. Okay, this is the control. This is the one in the e-commerce market or the coaching market. This is the challenge funnel or the webinar funnel or the one that's working the best today. This is the control. This is my best shot of success is to model this as close as I possibly can. We take that control. We look at it. So, okay, now how can we increase the average cart values? I'm building this funnel. How do I increase the average cart value? How can I tweak my offers? What things can I put in there? Can I do an order form bump? Can I do two order form bumps? Right? Can I do a thank you page? Webinar? What are the, all the things I can do to increase the potential average cart value? Right? Now I got to create ads. I need to create a bunch of ads to decrease my cost per acquisition. The more ads I create, the better it's going to be. So how can I create ads? How do I make more ads? Who do I hire to make ads? Whatever that's going to be to lower the cost per acquisition. Right? And then after I start doing testing, I'm looking at my earnings per click. Like if, if it's not good, it means that, that first page, that landing page is a brick wall. I got to fix that. Let me test this. Let me test that two or three times. And as soon as you get that, then you go, you drive a bunch of traffic, you let the marketplace tell you what's working. Right? And what's going to happen is one of three things. Either number one, you're losing money. It's like, this is not a good idea. I got to change everything. Or number two, you'd be a break even. It's like, okay, what tweaks, what changes can I make? Or number three, you're putting a dollar in and two dollars back out. And now we have a funnel we can scale. Now we can start moving very, very quickly. And it becomes really, really fun. Okay. And number three, obviously, or number seven then is funnel stacking. It's like, now we got a funnel that's working. How do we stack the next funnel and next funnel and keep moving forward? And that is how funnel audible will work, you guys. So I hope that was super helpful. Cool. <laughs> My biggest key for you guys specifically is over the next few days as we are doing Funnel Hacking Live is the speakers are speaking. Look at the funnel they're showing. Look at what the control is, right? The control for a challenge funnel, a webinar funnel, a high ticket funnel, an e-commerce funnel. We got people doing huge numbers in every market you can dream of. And I promise you, someone doing what you're trying to do in your market. So watch what they're doing. Study what they're doing. Look at the controls. How are they structuring their offers? Figure those things out and then model them for your business. That's you're going to be successful as well. You've been listening to one of our gold members only podcasts. Make sure you upgrade and become a diamond member and get access to the diamond members only podcast as well. On top of that, you'd also get access to the whole enchilada with all of Dan's courses and so much more. So make sure you upgrade to diamond now by going to diamondupgrade.com.